Hey guys, it's almost that time of year again. You know, every year we love to make an offer on Moments of Grace and you've caught us at the right time. Till December 15th, we have a four book package for $25 for you. It's a $60 value. My book, A Moments of Grace, A Devotional for a Busy Life just came out in August, as well as Managing the Miracle, Living the Miraculous Life and my daughter's book, The Crystal Kingdom. I said four, four books. And we have an 80-page notebook that has the Moments of Grace logo on it. You can go to www.drajrbutler.com and order that gift pack for just $25, where 100% of the proceeds will go to the Grace Project. You know, that's our ministry, where we're building homes for the homeless and for veterans. So Merry Christmas from Moments of Grace and from this, your favorite host, Dr. Adrian Butler. We love you so much. And when you get that pack, we'll sign each and every book for you. And you have a Merry Christmas from Moments of Grace. This is Natalie Vecchione, the host of FASD Hope. And you're listening to Moments of Grace with Dr. A. Jerome Butler. Hey, this is your host, Dr. Adrian Bell. I'm happy to have you here with us on today. You know, as we work uh, here in America and all over the world, we're spending less and less time with our families and less work-life balance. We're uh, caught up in making sure that our work is effective, making sure that our work um, is doing what it should do. My guest today is Dr. Michaela O'Donnell, and she's written a book, Make Work Matter, Your Guide to Meaningful Work in a Changing World. And uh, you will thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy my interview with Dr. O'Donnell. She's personable and you can just feel the passion and love that she has for this particular topic. Uh, she's the executive director of Fuller Seminary Center in, of, of, for Leadership. She is an entrepreneur, a teacher, and a sought-after speaker, and a consultant who regularly presents uh, topics dealing with vocation, career, leadership to religious, secular, academic, and also lay audiences. Dr. O'Donnell and I had a very, very wonderful conversation, and I believe after you get through listening to this interview, you will want to get her book again, uh, make work matter a guide, your guide to meaningful work in a changing world. So stay tuned for my interview, my discussion with Dr. Michaela O'Donnell. We'll be right back. Wouldn't you like to start your day upbeat and motivated? Dr. Butler has written a wonderful book. It is called A Moments of Grace. It is a devotional for a busy life. You can get your copy at www.drajrbutler.com. This is your host, Dr. Adrian Butler, and welcome to A Moment of grace. Joyful, joyful, joyful. I am so happy to have you here with us. As you heard the uh, the intro earlier, 
today we have with us Dr. Michaela O'Donnell, and she has a book, Making Work Matters. And Dr. O'Donnell, how are you? We're so happy to have you here with us today. I'm with you. Joyful, joyful. It is good to be with you. Oh, it's good to have you here with us. You know, we touched on your bio, but, I, you know, there's there's an old Southern saying that says it's a mighty poor frog that, that won't croak in his own pond. So why don't you tell uh, the audience a little bit about yourself, Dr. O'Donnell? I will. And I think that's even a helpful introduction into how I got into this work and this writing. So I, I'm a Midwest girl. I'm from Nebraska, grew up in Irish Catholic families. There's, we got lots of people in our family, and if there are two patterns of things that people do for work, we are teachers and we are entrepreneurs. Those, gotcha. those are the two things over and over. And the third one would probably be ministry. We've got priests and nuns and other people who have gone into um, ministry in different forms. And um, so many years ago, I found myself in seminary at Fuller Seminary getting a master's degree, and it was right about that time that I met my husband. Right. Dan, we met in seminary and it, this, we graduated in 2010, 2011 in the midst of a little thing called the great recession. All right. And right after uh, the 2008 was, uh, recession there, huh? Yep. Right after the housing <laughs> crisis and, yeah, and no yeah. one, none, no one had really recovered yet. It was, everyone's on a hiring freeze. And I'm going to be honest with you that not a lot of people were looking for people with advanced theology degrees at that wow. point. Yeah. People were like, <laughs> How many, how many words can you type a minute and how fast can you get here? And so we strung together some different part-time work as, as we needed to, to pay rent. We lived in, we still live in Los Angeles. It's an expensive city. Right. And it was in that season that I said to my husband, what if we started a business? I kind of, I kind of feel like that's what we should do next. And oh, hold on, let me, let me stop you here now. I know. I <laughs> and know. Like I tell you, we're going to have a conversation. We're not just going down, down the list, asking questions. So, so, so you are really, really an adventurous person and a person of faith have to be to yeah. say right after the recession, you just married. Now, when did the business start? It was right in that time frame. And we got married wow. within six months, we were starting a business. So, and that was 2011. And, you know, Adriel, I would love to say that this was an act of faith and we felt like God was calling us out to do this. And I think I can put those pieces together in retrospect, but in the moment, it had a lot to do with basic necessities. Like gotcha. We got to pay rent. Yeah. We got to pay right. student loans. And right. We need to put some skills into the world. Um, my husband's an artist. He's he's okay. just wired that way. He's got that prophetic sense of looking at the world, and he he speaks in film. He speaks in video, um, and that's kind of his first language, if you will. And so I thought, what if we made a business about that? And he's a good sport, so he said okay. And we thought this would be something that we were doing on the side next to right. all of our other side things, right? right? Kind of right. like, okay, let's just get our financial footing. Right. And within three months, it's what we were doing full-time for work. Mm. And it was in those steps that I, I really started to see God help us put one foot in front of the other. Like, oh, there's a door opening. Oh, there's a door opening. And a lot of our work was to show it faithfully. Um, that's a company that's still alive and well. My husband runs that full-time. Um, I, I ran it full-time myself for seven years before eventually I decided to go back to school and get another degree. So I have a PhD in practical theology. People ask me all the time, what's practical theology? Right. Shouldn't all theology be practical? Right. I'm like, well, I'm not going to get into, I'm not going right, to get all right. the way into that. Right, um, right. 
but practical theology starts with um, just the just the questions and what's going on in the world. And so very quickly, these two streams started to intersect for me. This business I was running, thinking about creativity, thinking about helping organizations tell their story, honestly thinking about trying to navigate a changing world of work for myself, and then the skills of theology and who do I want to research, et cetera, et cetera. Eventually, um, I decided to get in touch with and for my for my big official project, do research with successful and faithful Christian entrepreneurs. Okay. I wanted to know what right. they do. Right. What did right. what did it look like? What were yeah. their spiritual practices? How did they approach success? How did they approach failure? So that became a bunch of stuff. Let me ask you a question, uh, Dr. O'Donnell. Um, <laughs> you, you said something. <laughs> it's so funny because I taught systematic theology for okay, uh, okay. five years. So I was <laughs> systematic the, the theology in Old Testament. And so um, the your, your, whole, your whole book, your whole concept, I have an opportunity to read your book. The whole con- concept of your, your book for mainstream America, especially right now, um, seems not outjointed, but seems timely. And what, what I mean is, I think we've gotten away from the values that made us who we are. Um, you know, uh, you know, the not cheating, case in point, um, people would always look at me very strange when I was a kid, because I was the one kid in the class that was goofy enough not to cheat. You know, <laughs> you know, um, there was a study done that says, you know, 80% of Americans, 80% of Americans, I, I don't know, and this is pure research that, you know, uh, have either lied on their taxes, lie on the, in their marriage, things of this nature, lie in business and everything else. And so your work is, 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 is needed. Let me say this before I go any further, because I don't, I want to see how you found these entrepreneurs. My wife and I about three or four, and I, like I said, we're going to have a discussion. This is not just going down, I love it. you know, a, a, a list of, of, of questions. Uh, I want to find out about you and your, your experience and let you know a little bit about us as we talk. Um, the, uh, we went to a Mexican restaurant here in, in the, the state that we live in. Have never seen this before and probably will never see it again. Um, but <clears throat> we, had a, uh, we had a meal, went Mexican restaurant, ate atmosphere, ambiance, beautiful, nice, everything. After we got through with our meal, you know, we go to pay, of course, go to the counter to pay. And the lady said, oh, just come back and pay us later. Hmm. Huh? You know, come back and pay you later. And she said, our internet has been down for three days and we can't run anything. And she pulls out a stack of receipts. Hmm. And I, I thank God I had cash and I paid her a cash and she shared with me she says, yeah, most of our customers know us. We've been in the area for 30 years and we feel they'll come back, you know, and if they don't, um, God got us. And I was just blown away, you know, mm. that here was a here was a, a business, an entrepreneur, a restaurant in 2021 that had enough faith in humanity, had enough faith in each other, that they run their business with such integrity that people actually love them and respect them enough to come back mm. and pay them. We used to do that. We used to have, you know, the, you know, just put it on my tab. I know I'm a kid from New York. So I, I remember mm-hmm. running my little tab mm-hmm. up. My, I had a $5 <laughs> limit. I could get the candy and everything at the corner store, little Jewish store. 
uh, up to five bucks, you know, and then my parents on Friday or whatever would come and pay that. They trusted each other. Those mm -hmm. things have seemed to be gone. So you, your your book, and that's the reason I wanted to bring it up because your book is is very timely. We we need that. So how did you find the entrepreneurs, these Christian businesses, to um, bring that into yeah. your book? Well, I love that story. That's an encouraging story. I think it's a what I would call disruptive story at this point, right? Mm. People are not are not living and operating in that way for all kinds of reasons. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot going on and a lot yeah. of trust and and. Yeah. But so I just I really I really love that story. Um, in terms of how I got to the people I talked to, it was actually really similar to what you just did. People mm. told me about people. Wow. And it was through a set of officially what I would call nominations, um, mm -hmm. conversations. And, gotcha. you know, these people, and what's interesting is I, I did the formal research, but then the questions that I asked these people started to become guiding questions for conversations with every other Christian who was leading right. or working. And I started to notice themes there. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, there is a bit of old fashionedness. Like I heard about these people from other people, just right, well, right. Like, now I'm curious right. about that, that, <laughs> yeah, right. that, those people who did that, because that, exactly. that feels so distinct and disruptive. And, right. I, and I think to go just one last thing here, I, I think it all comes, comes into these stories because mm. the story that you just told is, has powerfully shaped now my imagination for how I'm thinking about the rest of my day and at the heart of what. I was doing people and, and even in the book and in the work that I do at the Dupree Center for Leadership at Fuller, it's getting to these stories. Um, so thanks. That, that, thanks for that really good story. And, 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 and those, but, th but that should be all of us, Michaela. I'm running yeah. business as well. Uh, actually, we have, goodness gracious, anyway. <laughs> you have a bunch of businesses, don't you? <laughs> too, many, too, many, too many hats on. But, but we, we, try to, we try to operate in a level of integrity, if, uh, you know, um, and I say try because, mm -hmm. you know, everybody that you're sitting across does not have the same mindset. They don't have the same goals that you have. Um, you know, I had a, a young lady that, that, uh, that, that we, we have an academy where we teach people how to trade. And uh, one of my students, she, she bought a yearly membership. And, um, and, and I saw her about three or four weeks ago. And I said, well, I need to refund your money. She said, why? Because I say, you're not coming to class. Mm. You know, I, don't, mm. I don't, I don't need, I don't need your money. I'm trying to show mm. you how to, how to be the best you and how to invest in things. So, you know, she said, no, no, I'll start coming to class now. <laughs> like I'm like, I'm a father <laughs> figure. So I'm not, I'm not scolding you. <laughs> oh, that's I'm funny. Just, just, just sharing with you. I, I want the best for you. So, and her heart is in the right place. She just doesn't have the time and I don't feel right not mm -hmm. you understand Sam Michaela yeah, yeah. Your, your book your book has that kind of disruptive feeling that that we need to have in society uh what I would like to do because I'm seem like I'm doing most of the talking is we're going to take a break and then when we come back I promise we're going to find out more about you and your book because you got some good stuff going your book really has ignited me I couldn't wait for I, I hate that you guys sent it to me so early because I've been sitting on pins and needles waiting to talk to you and then I'm doing all the talking so I love it I love hearing you talk
All right. This is Dr. Adrian Butler. We're talking with Dr. Michaela O'Donnell. And we'll be right back after these messages. Uh, stay tuned, dear heart. Hello, my name is Adriana. Did you know that there are half a million amazing kids in foster care? I wrote a book called The Crystal Kingdom to bring awareness to amazing families like mine. When you purchase my book on eBay, a portion of the proceeds will go to a foster care organization to help these amazing families. Think in advance, like my dad always says, keep the light on. And we're back. This is your host, Dr. Adrian Butler at Moments of Grace. And we are talking with Dr. Michaela O'Donnell, who has a book, Making Make Work Matter. And uh, before the break, as y'all, as you guys heard, you, you guys know me. You know what? I get excited with one of my guests. You know, I just cannot shut up. I got my wife said, Lord, you, you must have you, you've lived a million years before I met you because I got stories for everything. But Dr. O'Donnell, welcome back to Moments of Grace. Well, thank you for having me. And I love your stories. And so keep telling them. <laughs> no, we're here to interview you, my dear friend. <laughs> so so this this book, you know, it, it's I feel it is um, an impartation from um, your place of your values, yeah. as well as your faith. Um, share with us, you know, some of the challenges that you may have run across with uh, bringing your book to uh, to fruition. Yeah, I, I think even the story that you were just telling is is significant, and and really the question that is front of mind here is, what does it actually mean to live and work as a Christian in today's age? And not taking for granted that the answer that how we fill out the visual, the vision for that, is the same as how it was thirty years ago, fifty years ago, however long ago, because. Times are changing, and, yes. and, and a lot of my work focuses on how change is impacting work and people's sense of vocation. And, you know, a, a while it, people are just inundated and they're in, yes. and they're overwhelmed a bit. They're anxious. I talk to a lot of lonely people because they're worried about they haven't found their passion yet or they haven't found their calling. And um, I'm just a big believer that actually one of the distinctive and disruptive ways we, we live is kind of a step-by-step -step, uh, remembering that first and foremost as sort of very central to our, our identity as being called is belonging to Jesus mm -hmm. and walking with Jesus step-by-step. -step. I'm thinking now about the disciples on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is like, hey, y'all, come on, follow me. And they got to go step by step. Right. And I think a lot, I think the world is moving so fast that we feel like we got to run so often. Right. And Jesus's invitation in all of life, including in the work we do and the decisions we make and the ways we interact with customers and, and uh, vendors and restauranteurs has a lot to do with that step by step followership and belonging. Right. Um, so the book is, is, it takes you, it kind of takes you into that, it takes you into that. What does step-by-step -step look like? What does it mean to extract meeting? What does it mean to understand change? What does it mean to get in touch with some of that core stuff that helps us 
embrace our identity as Christians. You know, and also um, the the as you were talking, and again, I'm not going to talk long. <laughs> do it, do it. <laughs> not going to talk long, but also, you know, in in my in my meditation time, one thing I have found out is um, silence demands an answer. You know, mm. and and sometimes we have so much going on, we answer things too quickly. We're doing things mm-hmm. too quickly, mm-hmm. and when you're just silent, you know. Uh, um, you know, the, the word says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we always use that with death. But I believe that when we cut off these five senses, you know, and just get our place into a place of silence, that it also gives him an opportunity to speak. Uh, it actually mm-hmm. forces intellect. It actually forces us spiritually for some kind of answer, no matter what it might be. Um, it, with the people that you talk to, where they all cross all spectrums of denominations or um, <clears throat> what was what, what was that what was that like because I don't I don't know your denomination but what was that like maybe talking with maybe someone who's evangelical Baptist yep. you know yep. Southern Baptist I don't know let me share this with you some of my, I got some friends of mine to get on me all the time because even though we we've come out of the Baptist faith I'm consider myself just a disciple I'm I really don't I really don't wear the moniker of Christian um, because he says, how shall they know you are my disciple that you love you one to another. So, so I see myself more as a disciple more so than wearing the Western moniker. So how was that with, with the, with the people that you talk to and, and, and engaging in, 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 in their answers and reactions? Well, Dr. Butler, I don't think you're alone in that. I mm. think that's where, a lot of people are it and I think that that's a very appropriate and even faithful response in the midst of so many um divisions um options situations right depending on sort of the angle that you're going into um I think what you said is actually a through thread for many many people that I talk to people might have historical affiliations and of course are, you do get you do get the people who are yeah. pretty excited about those affiliations of but course. I think by and large you know people are um like okay I just I want to be faithful to there you go. Jesus yes. and um, yes. you know yes. you were talking about silence demands an answer one thing I've been thinking a lot about and I saw both in in sort of the people that I talk to and in the many people that I get to work with these days is that we're very interested in the end results. We're very interested mm-hmm. in what I'll call to use a biblical metaphor, the fruit. Yes. And yes. yet fruit takes time to come to fruition mm-hmm. and that faithfulness precedes fruitfulness mm-hmm. and spending time in that silence and sort of even that uncomfortable space of not knowing to me is an example of what it means to cultivate faithfulness and, and to believe that God's fruitfulness will show up as it shows up and Mm -hmm. and not to hang all of our hat of whether this was worth it, whether, you know, our, our jobs had meaning, whether what we did today mattered, not to hang it all on the, on the fruit, but to hang it on on, again, on that Mm -hmm. faithful followership, that step-by-step, of Jesus. So I, I really like that, um, just that imagery and that statement of silence demands an answer. And I would add to it 
that faithfulness precedes fruitfulness. I truly, truly, truly uh, agree. Uh, and, and, and we, we, and our good friend, Dr. Watson, uh, Pastor Watson, um, I love his analogy of thingification and kind of in what you're saying, you know, um, that we <clears throat> hang so much on, on data. <laughs> we've right. gotten, we've right. gotten so much hanging on data, how many people like, or how many people pat us on the back, how great our message was, how great this and that was. Um, but I always, you know, the, the, the one thing I always, uh, one person I always look at is Mary, you know, mm. she never had the pleasure of, uh, of having, uh, what it would take to have a child, but she had the pain and responsibility. And I think mm. that's what faith is, is making sure that we are accountable for the pain and responsibility of sharing this wonderful gospel, because, you know, in, in the world, Everything is about, like I said, uh, being stimulated, you know, somebody else, ex something external, somebody else liking what I'm doing, you know, uh, or, or whatever. Uh, and I, I have to let me put a pin in it right here. And I need to apologize because my wife had to call me on this because uh, I got into my own vanity. And I, we just we just wrote a devotional, and I'm 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 admitting to to my audience. You guys know I'll I'll share when I mess up. Sister Butler gets on me. Um, you know we we've, we've written several books, and we just released a devotional, and we we've sold ten thousand books, and we're very thankful for that. And it was almost uh, hey, let me take a a big lap around. You know this is a a, a big deal, and I posted something online, and she said, um, was it more important? to let everybody know about what's in the content of the book or how many people you sold the book mm. to, which one is more important. And like I said, it had to put pull me back into a place of love, put me back into a place of, of why I'm doing this. And I'm a person that believes in purpose. And I believe that, you know, God doesn't really save us for us. He saves us for the purpose in us, that that purpose in us is more important than we are. We just think we're just, <laughs> you know, it's all about me, but guys, it really is not all about us. It, it's all mm -hmm. about that purpose. And, and those business owners that you talk to, those entrepreneurs that you talk to, um, there's a purpose in them. And so as you talk with them, as you got with them about their uh, myriad of stories, um, what was the, what was, uh, kind of profound, I would say over, I know everybody's story is different, yeah. but what was, what, what drove them? It's just like you, you said necessity drove you to start mm -hmm. your business, but on these, these other brothers and sisters of faith, what was overwhelming that drove them to do what they're doing? Well, that's a great question. And I, I think that your example of vanity is, it makes a lot of sense because, it's like you're we're a data-driven society yes. oh my gosh. and you know and i keep telling yeah i keep telling the folks i work with how do we appreciate data and be spirit-led and mm. and how how do we do please those share that i want to hear that how you come all up i've got that? is questions so far adrome <laughs> all i've got are questions so you and i can work on that together because i think that's the tension i, I really yeah. do there's a prophetic nature to the work that we do which mm. is not captured in data it's just not you know that, that and 
I will say this about about a theme that I thought was really interesting and and even brings up even the what you just shared I'm like oh this sort of matches it I asked people four questions over and over I, I did a bunch of you know I asked people a bunch of things but right among it were four questions how have you learned to define success how have you learned to define failure what practices have moved you towards success and what practices have helped you deal with failure okay now out of all of that the thing that was most striking to me is how all these people who had done very interesting things were successful by any objective measures were much more comfortable talking about failure than they were success they wanted to talk about what they learned and they wanted to talk about how things got better and how other people had helped them in these moments and they were like, you know, there's just so much more to do. I, I, have we been successful? That's and right. their relationship with success and failure was, I, I saw a lot of humility in it, which I think mm. is the same thing that Sister Butler was driving yeah. you toward yeah, in the story exactly. that you're describing, exactly. which I think is, I really do think one of them is one of the marks of what it means to live and lead and work distinctly Christian. Right, right. The, the success and failure piece, that is, it, it, it has to be so humbling because you, 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 look at, um, you look at this itinerant preacher that we serve who had these people out in the middle of them, out in the middle of nowhere, and took what we would consider and what his disciples considered not enough. <laughs> He took the data and he turned it on his head and fed 5,000 with absolutely nothing and had had fragments left over. That's a place of faith. And that's where we have to be. And even in business. So I think we look at uh, I love what you said about the, the success and failure piece. Most people that are humble um, will talk about their failures. I think one thing that 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 kind of drives me mad these days, like I said, <clears throat> and I share with you, I'm I'm kind of a, a, I love people's stories and things. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to hear, as you told me about you and your husband, you guys were struggling. You started, you know, your business as a necessity. Those are the stories of truth. I think those are the stories that get people to understand the grace of our our, our God of of uh, Yahweh Have. I think those are the stories that lead them to Yahshua more so than I'm really rich. Yeah. You know, I've never made a mistake. I've never done this. I've never done that. Those, the, the, the you know, these great places of, of, of vanity. And I love Solomon and what he said, it's all vanity. So what we have to do, I feel, is to strip it all down and, and just come to the reality if not for the grace of God, really and truly, if not for the grace of God. Like I said, I'm, I, like I shared with you, I, I say I lived a charm life. I've had my struggles. I've had my health issues, got health issues now, but that's not who, who I am. Th- those are just things. <laughs> that's, you know, it don't define who we are. Yeah. I, and there's something really powerful that, that you're saying. And, and I actually, I think that there's one other thing that I learned that is relevant here, and that is one of the most common practices, really broadly defined. I'm not, not, I didn't limit how I asked, I didn't, kind of like you, I didn't define 
you know, what Christianity was for people. I didn't define what practices were. I let them define that kind of in how it was making sense in their own life. And chief among the patterns of what people who were, who really had a lot of good things going on was the practice of empathy. And yes. this is where I started to dig deep into Ooh. the passage of the good Samaritan. Ooh, God. And I, it's like, you know, mm. okay, so how do I be a person who is interruptible, who knows how to identify needs and says, I got some resources here. I can be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Who isn't so concerned with my status and my vanity that I just walk on by, right? And that, I kid you not, that I have just, if they're, you know, I feel like I've spent the last two years just digging into that passage in its layers and layers and layers, noticing the risk in there, noticing the the godly imagination, noticing the the way that, uh, again, resource sharing, but it all started with, oh my goodness, I see you, I feel you, and I'm going to move toward you, and so there's this real, this is real thing to talk about. How do we move toward other people as an act of that faithfulness and what might God reveal to us about our own work along the way? Right. Exactly. Wow. 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 Dr. O'Donnell, this has really, really been, really been powerful. How much time do you have? Do you have, you have about 30 more minutes to give me or you, you're, you're running I have about 20 more minutes to give about you. About 20, okay. Yeah. Well, we'll bring you back another time. I was going to do a second segment with you, but we'll do it another time. We, we definitely like have to have you come back and, and, and talk more about your book. With that said, uh, how can we get your book? I got my copy. Ain't nobody get my copy now. <laughs> but I will do this. I will do this. You know, we have, um, we have a subscription uh, fund drive, fundraising drive uh, right now. And keep in mind, guys, like we said before, 100% of what you give to the show goes to the Grace Project, uh, where we're building homes for the vet, for veterans and, and people of moderate to low income. Uh, if you will subscribe, you can even subscribe at the 99 cent level or the $10 level. We will buy two copies of Dr. O'Donnell's book and um, send them to you. So, Dr. O'Donnell, how can they get how can they get your book on their own? I know some people are dying to get your book. They're not getting my copy, like I said, <laughs> and we're willing to buy two copies and, and send them to two subscribers. So how can how can they they that don't subscribe early get your book? <laughs> well, I deeply appreciate that. And I want to add two more onto that. If people subscribe and are donating Thank toward you. moments of grace and your cause, because I think the work you're doing is so fantastic that um, I want the Dupree Center to, to match that. Um, you can buy the book where you can, you can pre-order it now wherever books are sold. Um, our website, Dupree.org, that's D-E-P-R-E-E.org, has a bunch more information about things you can get, you know, freebies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that, that's a good place. Wonderful, wonderful. And it, it will be in the show notes as well. Dr. O'Donnell, like I said, I want to eat up all your time because you've been such an inspiration and such a blessing. Your book is phenomenal. I know that's not a word. I know I chopped it up, but it is phenomenal. <laughs> I want to encourage you if if you are, uh, and let me say this to my brothers and sisters out there all over the world that are business owners, 
um, her book is is what you need. You you need to read um, her book to help you at least, because all of us need to prune some things that we have in, in our lives. And the biggest thing that we have is the this world's concept of how we should work, how to measure success. Um, one thing I have um, I've lived by, and, and I thank God. I, I read this little. Um, prayer every day when I sit down at my desk, it says, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace where there is hatred. Let me sow love. Little, little, uh, a, a little priest um, wrote that some years ago. And I, I say that every day and I try to live by that. But how do we prune the things of this world? Because the world tells you how to operate your business and the world tries to give you a metric of success but uh, the world can't give you a measure of success when you're a person of faith. And so I truly believe that. And so Dr. O'Donnell, your book is just phenomenal. Thank you so much for being with us on Moments of Grace. Do you have anything else you want to share before we get out of here? Just a big thank you to you, Dr. Butler. I've really loved our conversation. Amen. Amen. Such a blessing. We've been talking with Dr. Uh, Dr. O'Donnell and she's written a book, Make Work Matters. Um, dear hearts, we, you know, and, and, and you know, we, we get into these things of taking a step back, nostalgia and all of those things, you know, um, to, it, it, to say we wish we had things the way they were. I, I don't. I, I don't wish we had things the way they were um, because we have an opportunity now to be the best people that we can be. The scriptures are here now. They've lasted over 2000 years, they've been relevant, they've been powerful, no matter if we've had wars, rumors of wars, whatever has gone on, the scriptures have still been powerful. And believe it or not, there's, uh, we, we, there's a host of people, Matthews and, and a host of people who ran businesses, Paul, who ran businesses with integrity and with the spirit. And so if they could do it, just like the little Mexican restaurant owners that I told you about, they could do it, we can do it also. So I encourage you to get Dr. O'Donnell's book. And with that said, I want you to remember, guys, I know you guys are tired of hearing this, but I sure hate it. I love you and you can't do anything about it. And with that said, love God, love life. Keep the light on. We'll see you next time on Moments of Grace. Hey guys, it's almost that time of year again. You know, every year we love to make an offer on Moments of Grace and you've caught us at the right time. Till December 15th, we have a four book package for $25 for you. It's a $60 value. My book, A Moments of Grace, A Devotional for a Busy Life, just came out in August, as well as Managing the Miracle, Living the Miraculous Life, and my daughter's book, The Crystal Kingdom. I said four, four books. And we have an 80-page notebook that has the Moments of Grace logo on it. You can go to www.drajrbutler.com and order that gift pack for just $25, where 100% of the proceeds will go to the Grace Project. You know, that's our ministry, where we're building homes for the homeless and for veterans. So Merry Christmas from Moments of Grace and from this, your favorite host, Dr. Adrian Butler. We love you so much. And when you get that pack, we'll sign each and every book for you. And you have a Merry Christmas from Moments of Grace.